Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Uh, Let's jump into chapter 16. I'm going to go to verse 7 first of all. Uh, This is where we ended last week. Uh, For I do not want to see uh, you now just in passing, Paul says. Um, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. We talked about that last week. Paul's talking to the Corinthians and saying, I don't want to see you just in passing. Uh, The next verse he says, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Um, for a wide door for effective work is open to me, and there are many adversaries. For those interested, these two verses give a time frame for the time of year when it was written and where Paul's thinking about uh, going, like just that time of the year and the seasons he could have been in. Um, this also gives us a glimpse of Paul's ministry mindset. Notice he's like, okay, there's this wide open door. Have you ever heard people today talk about that? There's an open door of ministry. Well, that's where, right there, that's where we get that from, right? Paul's like, there's an open door, wide open for ministry, but he also recognizes there are adversaries. He doesn't know how it's going to turn out. In fact, um, Paul does not end up leaving when he thinks he will. So he's, he's saying, I think I'm going to do this, I think I'm going to do this. It actually doesn't play out that way at all. Um, he ends up leaving Ephesus and heading uh, to Corinth uh, uh, by going to Macedonia. He heads to Macedonia first, uh, but he doesn't do it voluntary, voluntarily at all. He doesn't do it when he plans. There ends up being a riot in Ephesus with the silversmith. Some of you might be familiar with that story from Acts. Uh, there's this riot in Ephesus with the silversmith. Paul almost gets killed and ends up having to flee Ephesus. So it doesn't go at all the way he was thinking. I think that he's okay with that because you hear him over and over again. In fact, just a few verses earlier, he says, if the Lord wills, we'll do this. Uh, Next, Paul is going to talk uh, in verses 10 and 11. He says, when Timothy comes, he's going to give an update here. So he sent this letter. They're going to be reading this. Uh, Timothy is going to be on his way. He says, when Timothy comes, see uh, see that you put him at ease among you. Think of this almost like a letter of recommendation for young Timothy. When Timothy shows up, Corinthians, um, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I'm expecting him with the brothers. So he sends Timothy. In fact, where it says, let no one despise him, it's actually, let, don't, don't treat him like a nobody. That actually echoes something from chapter 1, verse 28, where Paul says, God chose what is low and despised in the world, uh, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So here Paul is kind of referencing some of these things that he talked about at the beginning. The world sees, could see Timothy this way. Don't you do it, is what he says. Next, he's going to talk about uh, somebody else that he's hoping will come see. He brings up Apollos. He says, now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Now, just on a side note, I find this particular one to be a little bit funny. If you remember back to the beginning of Corinthians, you remember one of the issues that was brought up was this party mentality. Why follow Paul? I follow, who else were they talking about? I follow Apollos. Now, the fact that it says here, now concerning our brother Paulus, means that Paul is responding to a question they had. So they must have, in the midst of all their other questions, somebody must have said, well, when's Apollos coming back? Now, think through here. 
Paul's answering for Apollos, the very people that they have like lined themselves up with. Paul and Apollos are actually working together. And I think it's humorous to me because uh, Paul's like, I can't come now. I plan on coming at this time. He says, now concerning Apollos, I strongly urged him to come. So just imagine, the, I, I can, I'm just picturing the crowd of Corinthians, the Apollos party, hearing Paul going, I really wanted him to come, but he didn't want to. <laughs> that's, that's what I, when I read that, that's what I saw. He didn't, I strongly urged him to visit with the others, but it was not his will to come now. He'll come when he has an opportunity. Right? I wonder if Apollos even wanted to help avoid that party mentality by making sure they, those Corinthians know, uh, no, I'm not coming right now. Right? Uh, I don't know. I found that to be uh, interesting, a little bit humorous. Now, so there's some, some last little moments. The very next portion of this is, I'm going to get a little bit technical here. Um, I'm going to throw this word up there. Uh, this letter... Paul meant to be read. And so you can think of this letter, all of 1 Corinthians from beginning to end, almost like a speech. The very end of a properly produced speech for the Greeks, the very end of it, uh, the, the, the proper rhetorical way of presenting the speech, the very last part is called this. And I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but I think it's peroratio. The peroratio, and every scholar I read, they're like, this is the this next few verses, that's what this is. This is meant to be a summary of 1 Corinthians. So now do you, do you know why I couldn't skip this, right? It's almost like if you said, Paul, what was your letter about? Like if you got to the end of it and said, what, what was this about? And, and try to say it in one sentence. What we're going to read next would be Paul's response that statement. So if you're like, I haven't been here for all of 1 Corinthians. Oh man, there's a whole bunch of things we've talked about. But this next part is Paul's summary statement of what this letter was about. Okay? So let's take a look at this. this now, one more thing about this. With Greek writing, this particular portion of a speech is meant to appeal to what they call the, the pathos or the emotions. Okay? Now, have you ever heard a good speechwriter at some point, maybe at the end, they pull together something and they just bring you together and they like stir the emotions a little bit? Like, okay, that's what this is meant to be. Paul's stern summary, but also meant to appeal specifically to the emotional aspect. He's wanting to get you going. Get you stirred up. This is the pep rally portion of the speech. Okay? All right, so let's take a look. Verses 13 and 14. And I'm going to break this down a little bit. But it says this. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. So if you ask Paul, summarize what you're trying to get across in a sentence. This is what he would have said to you. This is what he's saying to the Corinthians. Now at the beginning of his letter, in chapter 1, verse 10, he says this, 
Now, this, the, the beginning portion of this speech, he said, I appeal to you, brothers, and I don't have this up here for you, but chapter 1, verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be uh, united in the same mind and the same judgment. So at the very beginning, he gives what kind of prompted this whole thing. So the Corinthians, as you know, have had a lot of divisions among them. That's what prompted this, the big bulk of this letter. In addition to the questions that he's answering, they were split. So the letter is set off. I appeal to you not to be that way. As Christians, don't be that way. This, closing this bookend at the other end, is meant to highlight that, but how we can do that. So how can we, you know, Paul, what's he say? I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, right? And that there be no divisions among you. So then we get to this other bookend. This is kind of like the summary part of that. How, how are we going to do that? Right here. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now, can you feel it? I mean, can, can you hear this? Be watchful. I mean, can you, I just imagine how Paul probably intended this letter to be read. They read the whole thing and they get done with chapter 15. Yeah, get, do these little statements. And I wonder if there was a pause as that reader from Corinth read this next part. He comes up to this last little bit and he stops and then he goes. I, I do that sometimes because he sometimes, you know what happens? It's happening now. Some of you, you start, to, you start to lose it. See your eyes, the, the eyelids start to get heavy. And you're sitting there, I'm glad I came to church, but I'm also quite sleepy. Right? It's, the, we turn the heat up, it's getting a little bit warm in here. The coldness is shedding out a little bit. Some of you are sitting there, we've got these nice cushy seats. And you start to go, I, I, my, favorite, my favorite facial expression I see, no, and don't even try to look around like you don't know who it is. You know every single one of you are guilty of this at one point or another. This is my favorite facial expression I see when I'm preaching. I look out, and I see you. And some of you are very intent and listening and attentive. And, and, but then some of you look like this. <laughs> I don't know why one eyelid closes quicker than the other one, but I'm telling you, some of you, that happens. Uh -huh. That's real encouraging. I must be really interesting today. No judgment, no judgment. I've done the same thing. But this is meant to be stirring. Let's break it down a little bit. So I'm going to try to talk stirring to keep you awake. Here we go. Let's focus on the first one. In fact, this very first one goes right into that direction. Be watchful. Uh, this, this is a very common theme. Christ talks about this so many times in the Gospels. He'll say, be watchful. This can be translated, be alert. <laughs> alert, right? <laughs> Awake. This is a very common exhortation from Jesus all throughout the Gospels. Uh, if this seems odd to you as a Christian... Now, forget that, the fact that we're talking, I'm talking about it in context of being in church listening to a pastor. This is meant to be much bigger than that. Not just here and now, but your, your life. You ought to be, as a Christian, be alert, be watchful. 
If this seems odd to you as a Christian, I want to say that it's probably because you don't realize... Now hear this carefully. If you think, be watchful and aware and alert, be careful, be, be ready. If, if that doesn't sound like, what, why, why would a Christian have to be ready? What, I don't get it. If that seems odd to you, it's because you don't realize the danger you're in. There are physical and spiritual forces seeking to pull you down and away from the good news of who Jesus is. Forces that are seeking from this book to disunite us. Let's go into the negative arena. Things that might be pulling, and some of you know precisely these things. There can be addictive vices in this world, drugs and alcohol. There can be other sinful things that you can deal with and face. Pride, lust, greed, and so on. We could go down that avenue. And many of us, when we try, start talking about being watchful, that's the first things we go to. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's right, that's right. Be careful. I mean, there are things in this world seeking to pull you down. I mean, I can't tell you how many times it's so heartbreaking. You read in the news about another pastor or a teacher that's, that's succumbed to, to, to some horrible type of lust that they've given into. Horrible. It breaks my heart when I hear about a pastor who's fallen into that sin and stepped down from the ministry. And what, what that's... It's heartbreaking. Those things are there, an ever-present reality that you need to be careful of, and none of you are immune. Now, there might be some things you go, never been tempted with that. Great, pat yourself on the back. I don't care. There are, every single one of you has got something that Satan is more than happy. He wants to latch onto that hook in your life to pull you away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's other things I would categorize in the negative arena that have a tendency to pull us down. Different, different category, possibly. Tragedy. Be watchful. Sometimes when tragedy strikes, I've seen those who were strong in the faith, firm in the gospel, and tragedy strikes, and they go, Phew. Tragedy can come at any time. Trauma or drama. I heard a chuckle at the drama. You know it's true, don't you? Drama. Some people just love drama. I hate drama. Amen. <laughs> I hate it. it. It comes though. And there, there's, there's, there's people that, that, that they're all in with the drama. And as much as we feel like, and I know that all of us in the room are like, well, I'm above the drama. <laughs> I, you know it's easy to get sucked into it. You start hearing about it, and you're like, well, I can't believe that they did it. You know? And then you start picking sides and lying. I mean, just think about what that's done in that moment. It's pulled you away from the good news of Jesus Christ. There's going to be some positive things things that we might view in that positive arena, things that in and of themselves are not necessarily negative, that can pull us away. You've got to be careful, be watchful, be aware. Career. Now, I know in Danville, we don't usually think in terms of career. We think about job and surviving. <laughs> right? But sometimes you have that dream, like, man, I want that job. It's got this or got that. I think even today, like Simone talking about, man, I'm hoping. But did you hear like there's a, that 
awareness. Because you know what can happen in those times. You set your hope on that and you don't get it. What can happen to your faith? You see? You've got to be careful though. That's what Paul's saying. Be watchful. Be careful. Don't set your hope on those things. How about family? A lot of different ways you could go with that. Some of you are going, that should have been in the negative category. <laughs> Time with family can pull us away. That may seem weird. I mean, family is important. I, I, I'm all for, I mean, I, I will tell you right now, I'm fortunate. I've got representations of both sides of my family here in this building. Not all of you have that. And there can be times when it's like, okay, can I do what God's calling me to do in faithfulness or that this family situation over here is pulling me away. And I know that some of you have faced some even tough decisions about support and how we're going to respond and what we're going to do. Not just time and time on Sunday, but all kinds of other issues that can rise up. Be careful. Jesus himself, while he was on this earth, and his family tried to pull him away from the ministry he was doing, said, my brothers and sisters are those that are following after me. There's another place where Jesus actually looks at his disciples. And he said, unless you're willing to hate father, mother, brother, and sister, you can't be my disciple. I'm telling you right now, as a Christian, your allegiance is between family and God's people. It's not a hazy subject in the Bible. Okay? It's not hazy. It's very clear how Christ lays it out. And he says, if you're, unless you're willing to go this route, you can't, you can't be a disciple. Because that allegiance is higher than even family. By the way, side note, family starts to pull you away. Let me make a re suggestion. They come into town. And you're like, oh, we got, you know what you can do? Hey, I'm going to church. Why don't you come with me? Well, I don't like church. Well, you can stay here, I, but I have to go. I can't miss it. Right? Can't miss it. How about projects? You ever get bogged down with the busyness of life? Be careful. Those things, forget the time element for just a minute. Those things, those projects you're, you're focused on in life and trying to get this together, trying to get that together, trying to figure this out. I'm telling you, those things can, can gradually work their way up in importance in your head. Not just in the time factor where it might suck your time, but also in your hope factor. If I could just complete this, I'd be so happy and, and ready. Or if I could just complete it, man, I could really give some more time to God if I could just get this thing together. Or, you know, I could start being generous with the things that God's getting. If I could just solve this issue, then I could be... Do you see, how, do you see what I'm saying here? Be careful. Those are lies. Be careful. Causes. I think causes. Or even things as trivial as politics. Or as silly as sports teams. Be careful. Those things can pull you away from the things of God. Be watchful. Be alert. The next one goes with this one. Then he says this. He says, stand firm in the faith. 
This is synonymous with the gospel. Plant your feet firmly in the faith. This understanding, the, the theology, the, the understanding of the scriptures, of who Jesus is, that's what he's talking about. Stand firm in this. Plant your feet firmly in the faith. This, as you're being watchful and careful, it's this faith that will unite us bring us together. It will sustain you. All those things I talked about a little while ago that you have to be watchful for, it's being firm in the faith that will keep you through those things. The love of money, the drugs, the alcohol, the sex outside of marriage, but also you know, anything that you might see is more powerful, right? The gospel is more powerful than any cause or political party or anything else that you can put your head to. By the way, laws don't change people. Who changes people? Absolutely. Root yourself here. Study the Word. Read. Listen. Learn. I am convinced that the most important thing you do each week is this church service. That's not because of me. That's, frankly, in spite of me, if that makes sense. But I'm going to say that again. I, I absolutely, what I just said, I believe absolutely, 100%. I am convinced that the most important thing you do each week is this. Some of you know that firsthand when you have gotten away from this and you've, as a result, not been watchful and you found yourself bogged down by all sorts of other things, pulling away at your time, your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, everything else, and Jesus is down on the back burner. you got to be careful. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. The next one he says is this. Act like men. This is not appeal to masculinity. In fact, uh, this, some versions even translate this as be courageous. It's actually an idea where it's saying, it's not like men versus women. It's actually adult versus kid. Okay? It's kind of like what we do when we say, man up. <laughs> right? Put your big boy britches on. Think of it in this, these terms because I, I believe it's a saying that the Corinthians would have understood as be courageous. Be courageous. It takes courage to be a Christian, to stand in the face of persecution, whether it be like the persecutions that we get when Ashley finds those different stories and we're looking at the persecutions across the globe from our brothers and sisters in Christ, or it be the uh, courage to just simply be faithful in this corrupt place we live in. I think as well to have the courage to be faithful in the, the benefits of this society we live in. We're overflowing with abundance. And it's so easy to just think, just to go with the flow. It takes courage. Stop being a little child. You could take it to mean as this courageous thing. Grow up. Okay, I say stop being petty. Act like men. The next one goes along with this. Be strong. If you find it easy to be a Christian in this world, then it is quite possible that you aren't really being a Christian in this world. Let me say that again. If you find it easy 
to be a Christian in this world, then it is quite possible that you aren't really being a Christian in this world. I actually put it in my notes. Say a third time. I'm going to do it. If you don't believe me, I'll show you my notes later. Say a third time. That's what I put. If you find it easy to be a Christian in this world, then it is quite possible that you aren't really being a Christian in this world. Do I need to say it one more? Think you got it? Okay. Jesus says this in one of his sermons. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is, what's that say? Easy. That leads to what? Destruction. Let's think about what he's saying here. I mean, in fact, I have this at this point because it kind of goes, those, those last three things, be watchful, be careful, the, the, be, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. All four of those things, I look at a passage like this from Christ telling us something very important. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow. Okay, I'm going to listen for the pause, because the pause, right, means that's where you're supposed to say what it says, right? For the gate is narrow and the way is that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So let me go back and say my other thing. If you find it easy to be a Christian in this world, think that maybe you're headed on the broad path that leads to destruction. Jesus himself has said, the way to life is narrow and difficult. Paul says, be careful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be courageous, and be strong. Thomas Schreiner says the Christian life takes pluck, courage, alertness, and strength. I don't know, exa- I don't know if, I, if you said, Matt, give me a definition of pluck. I don't know if I get, but I, I feel it when I say it. Can you, can you, can you feel like what, what that means? Let me say that again. The Christian life takes pluck, courage, alertness, and strength. It does. And I'm telling you right now, if you're walking through this life and being like, it's not that big a deal to be a Christian. I mean, I mean, I prayed this thing when I was little and it's got baptized and it's been pretty simple. Don't think. Maybe you think you, think you are, but you must not be a Christian in this life because the way to life is difficult and narrow. And few there be that, that find it. Maybe... If it's been going super smooth for you in this life, maybe you're on the wrong path. Paul says next, and the final admonition for this summary statement is this. Let all that you do be done in love. Everything. So all this other stuff he just said, but then he, like, but don't forget this. Everything that you do, Well, what about, yeah, that too. Let all that you do be done 
in love. And you may remember, we, Paul had a, I mean, a whole chapter on love. He's been talking about love through this whole letter. So it's no surprise that when we get to the end, he says, let all that you do be done in love, as he says in the summary statement. Be watchful. Be careful. Stand firm in the faith. Plant those feet firmly in the things that you know about Christ. Write the gospel message. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be courageous. Grow up. Be strong. It's not easy. But let everything that you do be done in love. Now, I'm going to read through very quickly the last part. That's the focus of what I have. I think that what you're going to see here is I just read quickly through this. There's some pointer because the ratio doesn't end with that. These last little bit, this, this is a way that Paul saw, okay, how are you going to do those things? Paul then lays out some very practical things that I think gives us a hint at how we can go, man, that's, that's, how, how am I supposed to be strong? How am I supposed to be courageous? How am I supposed to be, be firm in the faith? Listen to what he says next, verse 15. Now I urge you, brothers, you might be going, man, we really shifted gears here. Who's Stephanus? You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, that's Corinth, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints, be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and labor. I think we just got a hint right there at how we're going to do those other things. Let me put it simply. Pay attention to your leaders. I'm not talking about just those that are in that position, but those that set and pave the way. You see people that are living for Jesus? Pay attention to how, how are they doing that? I, I'm going to tell you right now. You look around this church, the people that are living it out, and you go, man, they're living it out. I feel like I get bogged down by everything. How are they doing that? Ask them, what are you doing? You must be doing something different than what I'm doing. I, I guarantee one of the things that you're going to hear, first of all, from anybody in this church that you, look, you might look at as a mature, responsible, grown-up-in-the-faith kind of Christian, I guarantee that every single one of them in this room are going to go, it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always that way. But by the grace of God, I would be, and they'll tell you. Pay attention, Paul says. Be subject, he says. Submissive to those ones that are over you spiritually in the church. Be submissive to them. I'm just to be straightforward with you. Another way that you do this, when I get up here and I say, hey, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. I'm trusting that if I'm up here saying those things, that if it's just me, that God's going to shut me up. I hope that you're trusting and praying each and every week that as you come in here, you're like, I want to hear from God, not Matt. And so we're hoping for this miraculous thing every week that where, where you, what you hear from me is, is from this inspired word and, and filtered the Spirit of God is empowering what's happening so that what's, the, the end result of the things that you hear, you say, this is, what God wanted, this is what God wanted me to hear today, not Matt. So if you're sitting there and you go, Man, Matt just said this, that you can filter it through, that, that faith that you have in God, and go, man, God just... In fact, some of you know that I know this. I know this. I've been sitting in church before, and the pastor was talking, and it felt like he was going, you! <laughs> like, looking right at me. Have you ever felt that? Stepped on your toes. Stepped on your toes. 
I, you know, the funny thing about it is, a couple of you have actually said that. Man, I feel like you're really talking to me. I have never in my life gotten up here and like thought in my head, yeah, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, what's my next point? And I'm thinking, okay, I mean, I, I'm thinking, Lord, help, help me. Uh, you know, I got some spiritual stuff going on there. I got some stupid stuff. I'm, I'm very distracted. You guys know that? You know, I've got some crazy, I mean, if you could read my mind, you'd be like, man, that is squirrels playing ping pong up there, right? <laughs> and it's, but, but we're trusting this miraculous thing to happen. And that God works through this. And so if you're sitting here and you feel prompted, I, I hope that you recognize that's the Spirit of God pricking my conscience. I need to grow up in this. Next he says this, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus, and, and he mentions these two other people. Okay, Now, something you would miss, I want to point out, learn a little thing here. Stephanus was most likely a well-off position, a person in Corinth. Probably had some money. Probably had all kinds of business endeavors. He, he had taken a lead, though, spiritually in Corinth. That's why Paul said he was, one of the first, he was one of the first converts. So pay attention to him. He, here's one that's mature in the faith. He's a leader in your church, Stephanus is. These other two guys... I have more than one commentary point this out. Because of their names and the way that they are like the spelled or something along those lines, both these other two guys, Fortunatus and Achaicus, are most likely slaves. Right? Now, that, that got me thinking all right, like right off the bat. Because you have in Stephanus and these other two guys that went with him, both ends of the spectrum of social order in Corinth came, these are the ones that went with Paul, right? And he doesn't end, so Stephanus is some type of leader, and I, I would imagine he's probably a natural leader as well, probably stood, you know, because of how he'd been successful in life and the positions he had, most likely. These other two guys, listen to what he says about it, because they have made up for your absence. So he came and Paul was like rejoicing at them coming, not just Stephanus, but these other two guys. He says, for they refresh my spirit as well as yours. And then he says this, give recognition, recognize such people. So pay attention to the leaders, pay attention to just everyday examples of faith. Recognize it for what it is. Next verse, the churches of Asia send, send you greetings. Aquila, Prisca, this is talking about Priscilla. We've heard about them in, in Acts. They, we know that they were in Corinth as well. Together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I think that we could throw in here, think of Christians elsewhere as well. How do we, man, how do we be watchful? And stand firm in the faith and be, be courageous and be strong and, and let everything be done in love. I think a great example is that is when Ashley shared those, those things, Christians across the globe and seeing what they do. That, that is there to stir us up. Like, man, they're, they're standing firm in the faith. They can do it in that situation. I ought to be able to do it in this situation. I see Paul doing that. There's this big mindset. I don't know what to do with the last little thought here. 
I thought that um, greeting each other with a holy kiss was a, a tradition in that time period. But Ben Witherington III, last time I mentioned him for a while, said it was, there's actually no evidence to say that this was a Greek thing going on. It was actually most likely started in the church. Now, I am not saying we start this. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's okay, Don. We're not start. We're not. I'm not. I'm not going to greet you with the holy kiss next week. <laughs> That's yeah. It's okay. It's okay. If one of you comes at me, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I love you. I'm going to back away. I know, but maybe a hug. I, I, I mentioned this, though, because these early Christians were close. Like family. You see it in this thing that started amongst them. It's different for us, obviously. But you still see an idea there. How, how are we going to do this? Being, being watchful and, and being, you know, standing firm in the faith and being courageous and being strong. Let everything be done in love. I think that you see it even in this little passing thought. A lot of that can stem from a closeness that we have with each other. Paul ends, and I put this up here just because I don't have any points to point out. It's the last verses of, Corinth, uh, of Corinthians. But I love that Paul, when he closes his letters, a lot of people think he, has, he had trouble with his eyes. And so there's other places where he even talks about, the, look at what big letters I use, okay? Um, he, he would close his letters. So he was most likely, and I think it was Sosthenes from the beginning, most likely um, dictating to someone to write, but he would take the time to stop. And even though some of us could have been embarrassed, he may have been embarrassed, like my, his sloppy handwriting, his inability to make it as neat and nice and legible. But Paul would always end his letters in his own hand. And he did this with the Corinthians. I, Paul. So imagine he just got done dictating this whole thing. In my head, I don't, I don't know what kind of quills they used, uh, if it was an actual feather, but I just picture now Paul in some, you know, little stone-type building in, in the city of Ephesus and, and getting done, and, and whoever it has been dictating it. Is that good? Yeah, yeah. You sure we want to end on kiss, Paul? Yeah, we're ending on kiss, Paul. Okay, okay kiss. Um, and then Paul says, here, let me, let me have the pen. And then getting down. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. He says next something unique for the Corinthians. He only says one other place in all of his letters. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. He doesn't say that anywhere else. There's one other letter where he mentions this. Anathema is the word for accursed. And then he uses an Aramaic phrase, right? It's right in Greek, but he uses the Aramaic phrase. You're going to recognize, I'm going to say this Aramaic phrase. Uh, it's translated, um, O Lord, come. I'm going to say the Aramaic, though, and you're going to recognize it. Maranatha. You ever heard that word? 
uses that next. Oh Lord, come. You find in Jesus, in this, oh Lord, come back. Come back. Oh Lord, come. Some of you say that sometimes, come quickly. I think the more you try to be to be watchful and to be firm in the faith, to stand firm in the faith and, and to be courageous and strong and to, let, and to try to let everything you do be done in love, the more you seek to live that way as a Christian, the more you come back to this, oh Lord, come, I don't know how much longer. And you feel that. How much longer, Lord? I'm so weak. I'm frail. It's tough. Oh, Lord, come. Then he ends with how he ends almost all of his letters. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. But then again, he attacks something else, attacks something else on the end that he doesn't do in most of his letters, but he does with the Corinthians. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. I love that he ends this letter with the Corinthians. A little extra phrase at the end. He wants them to know. Then has he said some hard things to the Corinthians? Yeah. Some things I imagine may have been tough to hear. But he ends his last word to them in this first letter. Is basically, I love you. I love you guys. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. With his pen. Amen. Seals up. I think it was Sosthenes. He delivers this to them. Do you wonder if he prayed over the letter as, as it was to be sent? He's getting ready to leave on the journey to take it and deliver it. You wonder if he, I think he did. Or there's some hard things in here. I'm trusting this is what you have for those people of Corinth. I trust as well today myself that this is what God had for you today, that all of you in this room, this is what you needed to hear, that you need to be watchful, that you need to stand firm in the faith, that you need to be courageous, that you need to be strong, and that everything you do ought to be done in love. I think this is the perfect time to shift our mindset to what we do here at the communion table. Because if you embrace that final exhortation, it can feel, if you can, like with your mind's eye, travel down what that would look like for you to be, to be watchful and careful and for you to, be, to, to stand firm in the faith and for you to be courageous and strong and, and to let everything I do be done in love. When you start thinking about those sorts of things and you, you let yourself think about what that means for you to do those things. No matter how inspiring Paul's words might have been, you go, that's tough. I'm a wimp spiritually. How am I going to do that? Lord, help me. The best thing you can do is look to Jesus. Who, though in the form of God and thought it not robbery to be equal with God, gave up all that he had took on the form of a servant and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then he goes.
to this earth, born as a baby, grew up, walked the dirt, this planet, underwent false accusation, though he was perfect, took the wrath of God on the cross and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The cry of the damned, so none of us would ever have to say that. Obedient. At any point, he could have called, I know we say this phrase, he could have called 10,000 angels. I've often said here, I, I, you know when I would have broke? When the, the guy was slapping Jesus and saying, who struck you with the blindfold on? Who struck you? That's me. I might have made it up to a point. That's why I'm like, I know. Bill. Bill did it. Oh, sorry, Bill. Uh, <laughs> I was picking a random name. I forgot there was a Bill in here for a second. He did it. That's what I would have broke. I would have said, 10,000 angels now. Or what about when the, the, the soldier... Oh, get off the cross if you're the Son of God. Okay. You know, you know you would have too. Some of you are in this room. That's when, uh, yep. I might have wanted to get back. He didn't do it. Man, tough. Obedient. Faithful. Always ready to do what God had him to do. Dies. Defeats death. He's risen from the grave. And he says, all right, follow me. Come on, follow me. I've taken care of the real debt. Just follow in my steps. Follow me. This, as we remember this, is meant to be that. It's meant to be a remembrance because I think we need to remember that, what he did. When people are insulting you, you can very much go, I'm going to think about Jesus. Because he went through that. When people are accusing you falsely, instead of going, I can't accuse me falsely. That's what we do sometimes, isn't it? Oh, I can let them get away with this much, but not that. Just think of Jesus. Look what he did. Look how far he went. Can you be a picture of Christ in this world? You can. But you have to be careful. You have to stand firm in the faith, knowing I know what I know about Jesus, the, the good news, what he did. Stand firm in that, okay? Got to be courageous. Got to grow up a little bit here. In this faith that I'm standing firm in, I, I need to be strong. I don't have it in me myself, but God, I'm going to trust you to give me that strength. And I'm going to let everything I do just be done in love the way he did. I look God across this room, and I'm going to tell you right now, Every single one of you, I am convinced you can be this. Not because of you, but because of the grace of God. You can be watchful. You can be firm in the faith. You can be courageous. You can be strong. And you can let everything you do be done in love. I don't care how long you've gone in your life without doing those things. You can, by the grace of God... Even you can do the things God wants you to do.